Welcome to the FASD Success Show, the only podcast where you can get real-world information about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. This show will help you create calm in the chaos, have hope for the future, and more importantly, save your sanity so you don't lose your flipping mind. Now, here's your host, caregiver turned world FASD educator, Jeff Noble. Everybody, welcome. Welcome to episode 146 of the FASD Success Show. It's me, your host, Jeff Noble. I'm your guide through the ups and downs and all around mayhem and magic that is life with FASD. Whether you're a fresh face in the world of FASD and you're brand new and you're trying to decode the mystery of your very first full-blown language concert in the grocery store, or you're a seasoned pro who's navigated more F-bombs than a visit to the DMV with my granny. I'm just jazzed you're here because here at the FASD Success Show, our goal is crystal clear, turning those challenges into triumphs, and we're transforming those off moments in opportunities for growth and understanding. So whether you're listening in during a rare moment of quiet or amidst the chaos of that daily life, my dudes, I'm here to assure you that you're not alone in this journey. And today, fellas, we are diving into a topic that's as spicy as your aunt's secret chili recipe. Yeah, we're talking about FASD and swearing. You heard that right. And we're tackling the expletives, the curse-off moments, and those times where you're in the public and your kids say something that could just make a sailor blush. So we're going to be tackling it today. We're going to dive into the reasons behind our kids' choices to express themselves with those not-so-choice words and provide you with a straightforward plan to handle those moments, whether it's the why behind the swearing or navigating that aftermath of the public outburst that's left you red-faced, I've got you covered. We're here to equip you with the practical strategies and insights, turning potentially embarrassing moments into opportunities of learning and connection. So let's get ready. Let's get ready to take on those swear storms with knowledge and confidence. But of course, before we get to that, let's just quickly tackle the must-dos, you know, the shameless self-promotion stuff before we dive into the meat and potatoes of this stuff. I know if you are brand new here, and we understand that being a caregiver could be lonely and isolating and it could feel like you're decrypting this puzzle and i just want you to know you're in good company we have a free private facebook group it's got seven thousand people in there and it is a place for anyone if you're looking for a bit of camaraderie and support and understanding on your journey check us out facebook.com slash group slash fasd forever and you can join our crew and it's probably the community you didn't know you were missing because lots of people say really good things about it and we want you to have that experience too you don't have to do this alone anymore i also really appreciate all the emails i get with the kind words from y'all saying you dig the podcast and so if you are digging the podcast and you want to keep the insights coming without playing detective each week on how to find an episode hit the subscribe button it's the easiest way to make sure you never miss out on an episode and it's delivered straight to your podcast app it feels like magic but it's better because it's all about making fasd manageable and my dudes if you're feeling a bit generous leave us a review it's like a digital high five and it's much appreciated and it tells people we're really good for every tip trick and piece of wisdom we talk about here or resource we've got it all organized over at our blog so you can head on over to fasdsuccess.com slash blog and that's for your go-to guide on everything
being FASD. It's like a goldmine of information for you. And all of our past episodes are sitting there. And, you know, we have 145 of them. But also for those grappling with the challenge of aggression and wondering how to keep your cool, tickets are for sale for our aggression masterclass. It should be your next move if you're dealing with aggression. Like, imagine having effective strategies to find lasting peace and be part of a community that gets it. It's time to shift to the why me, to the we got this. We are going to be covering all sorts of excellence with FASD and aggression. I'm going to be joined by my co-host and my good friend, Barb Clark, who's an amazing trainer. And she is going to give some amazing in the trenches insight that she got about aggression that has helped her and has helped many other people. So to grab your tickets, because this is time sensitive, you can go to FASD success dot com slash aggression so that's www.fasdsuccess.com slash aggression get your tickets and let's get after it so oh man look at us go guys like i'm getting better at the shameless self-promotion stuff quicker you know my mom have always said i had a face for radio so <laughs> anyways that's enough about that let's dive into the heart of today's episode so if you're ready i'm ready all right Let's go! All right, thank you. Here I am with... Wait, there is no guest. It's me. I'm the guest, Jeff Noble. Excellent. Okay, cool. Well, here, how about this, a disclaimer. I'm going to share some information, okay? I want you to know that I am not a doctor. I am not a lawyer. I'm not a social worker. I'm not a psychologist. I have not spent a single day in medical school. So just take what I say with a grain of salt, baby. This is stuff that, you know, I've read, I've lived, and i experienced. So I just have to put that disclaimer out there because I need you to take the information and do your own research, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, don't sue me, all that stuff, okay? I'm doing my best, and that's what's up. All right, before we get into the hows and the what's and the why's and the who's it's, I think it's important that we anchor ourselves in a definition and a presupposition, all right? So, presupposition? Presupposition, in simple terms, is an assumption or belief that we take for granted before we even start a conversation or analysis. It's something we assume to be true without needing to state it explicitly, forming the foundation upon which further discussion is built. As you can tell, I'm reading this. Presuppositions are the underlying beliefs that influence how we interpret information and interact with the world around us. They're like an invisible framework that shapes our understanding and expectation. Ah, invisible framework that shapes our understanding and expectation, guiding our thoughts and conversations in a particular direction. Okay, so... My definition is, is the definition of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. That's where we're going to start off first. And why are we going to kick things off this way? Because starting from the same spot on the map, make sure like we're all taking the journey together. It means like we could go deep into what matters without anybody feeling like they're catching the tail end of an inside joke. Some of you have listened to me for 140 episodes and some people this is the first episode because so we can't assume everybody knows. Okay, so let's anchor ourselves in the definition that I'm using and I use this straight from the Canada FASD Research Network. They are awesome. I love them. They are great. So here's their definition. FASD stands for Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder. It's a lifelong disability that affects the brain and body of people who are exposed 
to alcohol in the womb. Each person with FASD is both strengths and challenges and will need special supports to help them succeed with many different parts of their daily lives. So, keeping this in mind, the impact of FASD is vast. It is a spectrum, and it infiltrates every aspect of life, from the intricate workings of the brain to the overall physical health. It's a spectrum all the way from loss of potential to severe health and cognitive issues. This condition shapes how folks with FASD interact with the world around them. Often, they interact in ways that might be hard for us to grasp at first glance. They hear the world different than we do, guys. It's like they're tuned into a different frequency, like hearing and seeing the world through a lens that's like unique just to them. It's that distinctive perception influences not just how they respond to their environment, but how they communicate, learn, and connect with others. So they hear and see things differently, we have to understand that. And that's why we're zeroing in on not part of the definition on those special supports. A special support is like a big dose of empathy. And that's what's key. We're talking about gearing up with the right tools and understanding to really make a difference in someone's life, in your kid's life. Now, here's my presupposition, okay? This is now I'm presupposing something or I'm going to assume to be true and I want to see if you're going to agree with me on this one. So have you ever asked a kid what they dream about becoming when they grow up or do you remember asking the question yourself as a kid? You know, I bet the answers are all over the map. Astronaut, doctors, firefighters, you know, Canada, hockey players, maybe superheroes. Uh, but let me tell you, I'm going to freaking bet my last dollar no kid ever piped up and said, <clears throat> when I grow up, I want to be the person who makes a living nightmare for my parents. I want to be that kid who screams bloody murder at my parents, throwing around the nastiest names in the book without a second thought of who's listening. Oh, and my ultimate goal is to make my parents wish they could sink into the floor of embarrassment in public after I freaked out or I swore so much and so loud that I got booted out of class, became the talk of the town in the worst way, you know, really make a name for myself in the hall of shame. I want to be ridiculed. I want to be suspended. I want to be expelled. All of that stuff. You ever heard somebody say that, kid? That that's what they want to do when they grow up? That's how they want to live their life? I don't think so. And here's a kicker, man. No one, when we talk about our loved ones on the spectrum, nobody's aiming to be that person. Nobody's waking up in the morning and a plan to turn into a human tornado by lunchtime. You know, especially if that means seeing the disappointment in the eyes of the people they love the most, that's you. So my presupposition is no kid wants to be an asshole on purpose. No kid wants to freak out, lose control, cuss at their parents and cause a scene and get in trouble. And if we can agree on that and we could all be on the same page and we could shake hands on the fact that your loved one out there isn't trying to be the world's biggest pain in the neck. It's on purpose. Then we're off to a good start. They're being like that. It's usually because they're wrestling with a whirlwind of anger and sadness inside and they just don't have the tools to express it in any other way. Or the part of your brain that bites your tongue is broken. All right, let's unpack this starting from the ground up. When we explore FASD, we're essentially looking at the very core of the brain's architecture, where all behaviors they stem from. 
Picture the brain as a vast, bustling city where different areas are buzzing with various tasks and activities. At the center of the city is the prefrontal cortex. Think of it as the city's mayor tasked with making crucial decisions, controlling impulses, and navigating the complex world of social rules. Now, in your brain, mom and dad, the mayor's office is fully staffed, equipped with the infrastructure and scaffolding necessary to manage the city's demands smoothly. There's a system in place, ensuring that despite the daily challenges, the city runs like a well-oiled machine. At least, your head's above water. However, the individual with FASD is a different story due to prenatal alcohol exposure. The mayor of their brain is working with fewer staff members and less infrastructure. This limited support makes it challenging for the mayors to manage the city efficiently. So when there's a sudden influx of traffic, imagine this is a surge of emotions or a series of rapid fire decisions, the system can be quickly overwhelmed, right? So when you have a flood of emotion or you have to make lots of decisions, so when there's arousal, the system becomes quickly overwhelmed. So without the robust system, my dudes, that the other mares have, the prefrontal cortex and someone with FASD might find it tough to maintain order. So the results in moments where impulses manage to break through the usual checks and balances leading to actions or words like swearing that are more direct and unfiltered. It's not about defiance or willfulness. It's a reflection of the brain's unique operational challenges, right? The brain just isn't serving your kiddos well. In essence, when the brain city is overloaded and the usual controls can't keep pace, the immediate effects spill onto the streets, or in this case, into the behaviors and reactions of your loved ones with FASD. It's all about understanding the capacity of their city. You see, it's about understanding the capacity of them, of their city, and how we as caregivers or parents can provide the additional support and infrastructure, that's scaffolding, to help them navigate the world more smoothly. Now, drawing on the insights of Dr. Catherine LaBelle, and she's a friend of the show and a brilliant mind in the field, we could dive deeper into the city's infrastructure, okay? So imagine for a moment the prefrontal cortex, right? Our city's mayor relies on sophisticated system to manage the emotional and impulsive traffic flowing through the brain streets. The system is akin to the city's most advanced traffic control center. It's what Dr. LaBelle refers to when she talks about the brain's inhibition pathways like the frontal straddle pathways circuit what <laughs> i know me too okay so think of the frontal straddle circuit as the brain's version of a traffic light system and these bad boys are situated at every intersection in our metaphorical city for most people this system operates with precision it regulates the flow of thoughts and impulses much like controlling when cars stop and go in this finely tuned system that prevents us from acting on every whim or saying every thought that crosses our minds. That's why we don't do it. But however, in the cityscape of an individual with FASD, due to the prenatal alcohol exposure, this traffic light system faces some challenges. The lights might not switch as quickly or as effectively as they should, meaning the hold up signal in their brain it just isn't reliable so this isn't a matter of the mayor not wanting to do their job or the traffic controller slacking off 
It's about working with a system that's been impacted from the very beginning, right? During development. So when we see our loved ones with FASD expressing themselves in the way that are direct and unfiltered, like swearing in moments of high emotion, it's essential to understand that it's not a choice or a discipline issue. It's about recognizing the limitations of their city's traffic control system and finding ways to better support them through it. And it's not just the loved ones on the spectrum. You freaking do it as well. Uh, here, let me share some examples. Okay, for example, um, have you ever stubbed your toe in public? Your brain goes into superhero mode because you're trying not to freak out and you're using every ounce of self-control not to unleash a torrent of choice words. But when you're alone, oh, it's like a pirate's treasure trove and you're yelling at whatever you stub your toe on like it owed you money, right? And have you ever smashed your shin on a trailer hitch? Oh, that brings a bevy of f you, mother as if this. Ow, ow, f***ing, f***ing, f***ing off that's what happens switching gears to if you're married or if you've ever had a partner you know what i'm talking about during those more shall we say intimate moments of life there's lots of arousal and it's fascinating how heightened emotions can send your internal sensor on a coffee break leaving you and us with expressions that are well you know unfiltered to say the least man i don't know how descriptive the language you were using during that time and let's switch gears to like baseball like ever see a baseball manager that finally lose it on an empire like that's not just strategy that's like when the raw unbridled emotions break through the calm exterior of these men and sports fans or anybody have you ever seen after somebody's won a championship or when they've lost a big game or when they're mad or sad and they're on the mic the athletes even forget the world is watching and the floodgates are wide open too. And that's where they would normally wouldn't say those things. But they do because there's all these moments. But they're not all about losing control. They're about being human. And so our brain's traffic lights, sometimes they hit a glitch. Especially when there's a tsunami of emotions come crashing in. It's a reminder that in the heat of the moment, my dudes, we're just trying to navigate our city as best we can. Even when the mayor's out to lunch. So the next time you hear a spontaneous, oh, f think of it as a sign of being a wonderfully messy human. We're all in this colorful language boat together, steering through the waves, man, with or without our filters. So here's, let me circle back for a moment to our bustling city brain and its overwhelmed mayor, or in our case, the air traffic control system managing those flights or impulses of emotions. You might be wondering, why does this lead to swearing specifically? Like, what's the root cause here? Guys, the truth is it's a mix of factors and it's all intertwined and interwoven in the brain of an individual affected with fetal alcohol. So here's a few things, okay? I'll just break it down a little bit more concrete. Impulse control. As we discussed, individuals with FASD often have an underperforming frontal straddle circuit. That's their brain's air traffic controller. That means the pause and think mechanism might not always kick in as effectively as it should. So when frustration or excitement hits, the immediate unfiltered response might just slip out as swearing simply because the brain usual filters aren't catching it in time. That's those specific circuits that we talked about. And then what also plays a factor is emotional regulation. 
Emotional storms can hit fast and hard for individuals with FASD. I often hear stories of parents saying, you know, all was fine and then bam. So that's because like the amygdala in our brain, it's like the emotional response center. It sometimes takes the driver's seat, man. And in the moments of intense feelings, swearing becomes an immediate release valve. It's like a way to express the flood of emotions that might be too overwhelming to process in the moment. I'll give you an example of that regulation. You know, when you're watching it in the movies, you see it in the movies with the submarines. Those intense submarine scenes where they get hit and everything starts to go haywire, right? Alarms blaring, lights flashing and steam. You know, the steam from the pipes are out everywhere and the crew is in a frenzy, turning valves left and right, trying to control the chaos. Some dude's yelling and everybody's just trying to maintain. That's a lot like what's happening in the brain of our kiddos on the spectrum. Each valve, they're frantically trying to turn. Those are coping mechanisms. They're attempting attempts to manage the overwhelming steam of emotions or impulses that surges through them. And when swearing slips out, it's not like a deliberate act of rebellion. It's more like the valves, the crew wasn't able to stop the steam and some got out. It's just not enough to hold the pressure of their crew. It's a vivid reminder of their daily battle. They're trying to navigate that inner turmoil in a world that often doesn't understand the intensity of their struggle because, you know, our kids look normal and they talk normal, right? But also understanding of words, like the impact of that. It's also worth noting that understanding the social and emotional weight of words can be challenging for individuals with FASD. You know, they might not fully grasp the impact of their words and the impact of the words have on others or why certain words are appropriate in some contexts is by not others why you can use words here but not there and now if you have siblings you could use them around your siblings and why the siblings use them around them but not in front of your parents it's not about a deliberate choice to offend or hurt you it's more about navigating a complex social language landscape with a map that doesn't quite match everybody else's. So when you see our loved ones with FASD swearing, it's not a simple matter of correcting bad behavior. It's about understanding the deeper challenges they're facing from impulse control and emotional regulation to navigating social norms. Our role then as caregivers, and take it for a grain of salt because what do I know I just work here, our goal, I believe, is to support them through these challenges, offering guidance, patience, and strategies to express themselves in ways that align with their feelings without causing misunderstanding or harm. So when your loved one on the spectrum uses swear words, ask yourself, is this because of dysregulation or disobedience? Can you recall a situation where you freaking acted impulsively due to stress or excitement? I know lots of caregivers mentioned to me how they try their hardest not to engage, but they get so mad that they lose their shit and they freak out. Now, I'm not casting dispersions or pointing my finger at anybody. I am just merely pointing out that we are humans just like them but we have less tools than they do. And it's not any of their fault because these tools weren't given to them like they were given to you during development, okay? And that had a cascading effect.
And then you're saying, okay, pal, all right, Jeff, I get it, I really do. But it still sucks to get sworn at and to be called names. And it's embarrassing. I get it, I really do. It's like being in a splash zone when you weren't expecting to get wet. When those swear words, especially aimed at you, slice through the air, you love your kid. And so to hear them say these things, it's more than just words. It's a gut punch of emotion. I know it affects you. It brings you from seething anger to gut-wrenching disappointment i've been there my dudes here's a golden nugget okay from my pal rj formanek who is an absolute warrior of an individual and he's on the spectrum and he talked about swearing towards their loved one and he said here's the thing to remember it might be directed at you but it's not about you it's about their absolute herculean effort to wrangle these complex emotions or steer through that tsunami of stress without the same skills or scaffolding that you have guys so what do you do then when you're a target of a verbal fastball okay so here's a thought right hit the pause button just breathe check yourself before you wreck yourself this isn't about freezing up it's about switching lanes from a knee-jerk reaction to a thoughtful response you gotta ask yourself like what's really going on here what's the heart of the message behind these words man is a frustration, feeling swamped, or maybe something else entirely. When we dig into the emotion behind the explosion, that can help you tackle the root of the issue, not just skim the surface. And my free group, facebook.com slash group slash FASD forever, you can go there. When we talk about swearing, it's often they will come to the conclusion a lot of it has to do because they're dysregulated and it's that tsunami of emotions and feelings and not being able to manage them okay uh, all the time unless they're in a good environment so remember how you respond sets the stage now i'm not pointing the finger you're not supposed to feel guilty what you do is hard right but this is your chance this is the skills that we're working on it's your chance to show them that there's a way to navigate this shit to navigate the high seas of emotion and disagreements without dropping all those f-bombs you know and it's about crafting a space where feelings are discussed and conflicts are resolved after after when everybody's regulated it's like laying down the tracks for a healthier communicado so we're gonna roll up our sleeves i'm not done yet i'm gonna give you some strategies to navigate these situations i've been in them and i have helped people through hundreds of them hey you know what if you're still freaking with me hats off to you this isn't a walk in a park you know, for some of you guys, this is a sharp turn from long held beliefs about behavior, especially if you come from like a community. You know, I'll just say it like we have people in our group say, listen, dog, we don't have swearing in our house. You know, we're Christians. We're well to do people. And then, you know, they don't do that. And then all of a sudden this little boy or girl that comes into their life does. So I get that that's hard. OK, I'm not picking on your religion. That's cool. I'm just saying that you don't come from that background. So just keep on trucking. Even part of you is thinking, what the fuck is this guy going on about? Just stick with me. OK, if you can't tell or if you've heard the show before, I swear too. And it's not for shock value. It's when I get excited because I'm excited. I would talk about fetal alcohol and I love talking about fetal alcohol. And I love finding insights and curating insights and learning about it and teaching other people. So it gets me jacked. So sometimes I swear. Now I can hear you asking me, sure, Jeff, this all sounds peachy for handling things at home. I can pivot from punishment to empowerment there. 
But what about when we step outside, when the whole world becomes the stage? How do I manage those red-faced moments in public? You know, navigate the school incidents and tackle those shitty looks I get from other parents. You know, believe me, dudes, I've walked that path. There's been times when my foster kid has said stuff, or even my sister that said stuff that made me wish for a cloak of invisibility. Don't mind me, I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons. So have you ever been on the spot where your child's raw honesty transforms like a routine errand into like the a blockbuster worthy public drama? Like you're not alone. Welcome to the club. That's a place where every parent harbors stories that swing between like hilariously unforgettable and please, dear God, earth swallow me now, you know? Today, like right now, we're going to talk about public embarrassment or social perceptions with our exceptional FASD commentators by our side, right? So, like, picture us, you know, this silence shattered by your kid's blunt observation by asking somebody if they're pregnant or saying they look old or stupid turning every head towards you or when you're at the supermarket and your kid asks for something and you say no and they decide to test their lungs over like a packet of chips and then you get all those sharp stares enough to cut through steel you find you're sitting there like questioning your parenting skills and don't forget those moments at like formal gatherings or like family gatherings where the internal filter between thought and speech doesn't just slip it vanishes and the more arousal your kiddo gets whether it's an audible shared observation about what someone's wearing or a profoundly awkward question we find ourselves freaking out and fishing for the right response or you're like wanting to just run for the nearest exit but here's the silver lining well these episodes leave us feeling like we're under the spotlight for all the wrong reasons they also carve out spaces in advocacy for learning and growth. And sometimes you're going to make the amazing connections. And you know what I'm talking about amidst the unscripted chaos of those moments. That's where we uncover other humans who are living the same way we are. While they might not understand the magnitude, they also remind us that at the heart of it all, we're just people. And we're just trying to figure out this stuff together. And so what I want to do right now is share with you about why you get embarrassed. What happens in your brain when you get embarrassed? Okay, let's take a closer look, okay? Let's take a look at the spotlight of public embarrassment, like a scenario all too familiar for us, right? Envision your brain, again, as a control center for social navigation with two main operators this time, the prefrontal cortex, which we've already talked about, and the amygdala. And these aren't just parts of your brain, they're frontline team managing our social standing where we are in the world, what people think of us. The prefrontal cortex is the refined part of you guiding social behavior and decision-making. It's tuned into social norms and how we're perceived by others. So when your kiddo loudly shares their unfiltered thoughts in public about what someone looks like or what you are doing or what you're not doing, it's this part of the brain that signals a red alert. On the flip side, the amygdala is our emotional watchtower, quick to respond to emotional stimuli it's what triggers those flushed cheeks or that urge to disappear or that mega cringe when all eyes suddenly turn your way when these two brain areas work together they create this intense feeling of wanting the ground to swallow you up during unexpected public freakouts but here's the crucial part 
While we're hardwired to value social acceptance, a nod to our evolutionary past, the modern world has shifted, my dudes. Our social survival, like in a tribe back in the day, isn't dependent on the tribe's approval as it was back in the days of hunting and gathering. The intense reactions that you feel are based off perceptions of others' judgments, not actual survival threats. Understanding this, you can begin to adjust your responses to these public moments. Like, you do not need to be accepted into everybody's tribe. You have one. That's with us. You know, when you recognize your brain's alarm system might be overreacting, it allows you to reframe our perspective and handle these situations with more grace and less stress. Are you following me now? Dudes, do you see where I'm going? You're doing great. And I hope I haven't lost you yet. Not like my keys this morning. Okay, friends, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just give you step by step, okay? I am going to give you a step by step of what to do when you're in public and your kid freaks out. Like, this is a four-point plan. Actually, I am here to introduce to you the brand new Jeff Nobles when shit hits the fan plan. <laughs> yeah, you heard it, folks. Sometimes it's exactly how it feels when you're out in public. You feel like shit hits the fan. And when you're with your kiddo and they start to say things that would make Andrew Dice Clay blush. It's not just an action plan. It's a step-by-step -step go-to guide for those moments like that when you want to disappear into thin air where the cringe is so hard. But since you can't, let's handle this like rock stars, okay? So seriously. This is what we're going to do. Part one, step one, feel the feels, but don't act on them. What do I mean by that? I want you to recognize your immediate emotional response to a public incident involving your kiddo. It's natural to feel embarrassed, anxious, or upset due to our deep-rooted social wiring, right? However, you got to remind yourself that these feelings, while they're intense, are not indicative of actual social exclusion. You know, when you acknowledge your emotions internally, but choose not to act on them impulsively. Remember, the primal part of your brain might be on high alert, but the modern part knows you're not facing a saber-toothed tiger at the grocery store. Although it can feel like that when they're letting the expletives go and the stares happen. What you need to do is step two and focus on your child's needs. In the heat of the moment, it can be challenging to block out the stares and whispers. Oh yeah, this is when your kiddo needs you more than the bystanders need explanations, right? I want you to focus on what your child is trying to communicate through their verbiage. Are they overwhelmed? Are they seeking support? Are they expressing a need in the only way? Way that they know how so when you tune into your kiddos needs you can more effectively address the root cause of the behavior and the symptoms which means leaving the environment providing comfort or redirecting their focus you know get out of there or help them you know co-regulate them and delay and redirect okay number three respond don't react it's crucial to differentiate between responding and reacting. Reacting is instinctual and emotional, and often it mirrors the chaos of the moment. 
do not try and mirror the chaos of the moment responding however it's thoughtful and it's measured and it's aimed at de-escalating the situation practice calming techniques that work for both you and your kiddo like those co-regulation techniques could be deep breathing before you go anywhere counting to 10 even where you're in those moments or using a code word like a code word that signals it's time to take a break right your kids got to get out of there when on addressing onlookers you know a touch of humor or a simple explanation could go a long way for example you know look at somebody and say oh they're hosting saturday night live this weekend and they're practicing their monologue or you're like we're still working on our indoor voices and give them a little wink <laughs> i can't help myself what do i got just our daily edition for supermarket shout the musical tickets go on sale soon are you gonna be like oh, we're conducting a live experiment on the acoustics of public spaces your feedback is well noted then <laughs> make like a check mark <laughs> uh, that's, what you know i think that's funny what about like oh this guy is the lead vocalist of opera of the unheard today's performance is unscheduled but unforgettable <laughs> we're testing a new reality show concept survivor public outing with kids spoil alert adults rarely win immunity <laughs> hey i watched that show that's like one of the two shows i watch with tara my wife i watched survivor and american idol that's it okay sorry back on track back on track again that's number three respond don't react okay uh, number four additional follow-up after incidents so after like a significant freak out especially in environments like school or community groups where ongoing relationships matter you could follow up with a note or a call I know it could be like embarrassing, but this is part of the skills where you can express your appreciation for their standing and patience. It's also like an opportune moment to share a bit about FASD. You know, I'm all about gently educating others about the challenges and the best way to support your child. So like a simple thanks for understanding as we navigate fetal alcohol, we are learning, and this means a lot to us. It can actually open further doors for conversation and support. I'm telling you what, man, even just today, Tara was out with Olivia and she was, Tara, Olivia was playing in the play place. Tara was talking to some grandparents. Lo and behold, you know, Tara was talking about what we do and then the grandparents disclosed we are raising our grandkids because we believe our daughter's on the spectrum so you know when you talk about it like that it just puts people in the position wanting to help and less judgy wedgy on you okay so that is my four-part plan that is my when shit hits the fan plan and i think you should follow it but again i just work here before we go, I want to make sure I'm wrapping up and touching on a few points that I know you guys are thinking about and talking about. So uh, first, I want to talk about an alternative emotional release mechanisms, you know, the art and sport of it. So if you are feeling like your kids using swear words as emotional confetti, you might want to consider channeling that energy into something less linguistically colorful right like you want to swap out their verbal paintball for maybe actual paintball or painting or soccer or building lego masterpieces it's all about finding like a physical or creative outlet that lets them blast through those feelings without blasting your eardrums remember this motion changes emotion and creativity beats cursing any day my friend so here's another one how do we like cultivate 
respectful communication. Here's what I like to do. I like to do what's called the compliment sandwich. It's right from my playbook. Start with a compliment and then you insert your feedback on top of it. And then you top it off with a other compliment. We also called it build, break, build. But in this arena, we're going to call it the compliment sandwich. It's like saying when they're freaking out or they're swearing, hey, I love how passionate you are. That's like the top button. But let's keep the language as clean as Captain America. So I now I'm giving them a visual representation. You know, if your guy was a little older, I would say keep it clean as Ned Flanders. Because you got so many great things to say. That's the bottom button, right? It's about encouraging respectful dialogue and not shaming them. We want also, what about racist language? It's a no-go, period. If it pops up, it's time to whip out the empathy glasses. Doing your best to explain the power of words and how they can hurt or heal. It's like giving them supervision to see the impact of their words on others. You can use stories, books, or movies that promote understanding and empathy. Remember, teaching respect and empathy is like planting seeds of a kinder future and not all of our your kids or our kids or our guys learn from just lectures right so they can learn from social stories they could learn from modeling from role playing that's why books or movies it's about different ways of modality of trying to get through to them right and it takes time and it takes practice and as your kids get older because i read about that all the time we experience about that all the time and if you listen to my episode from a few episodes ago with dr labelle the brain grows and the, the your kids can learn skills instead of using swearing as emotional regulation tool. So when you get overwhelmed by the excessive talking or you're overwhelmed with the swearing storm, you know, do it. I did. I deployed the pause and plan protocol. You have to breathe deep, you know, seriously deep breaths. That's not just for yoga. And then strategize because put your executive functioning, your critical thinking skills online. Maybe you come up with a signal between you and your kiddo because they might not feel safe, right? So providing them a safe word or a quick escape route for those public meltdowns. You know, RJ talked about when he goes into a public place, he needs to sit by the exit or be able to stand up or be able to get to an exit or plan how long it takes to get to an exit. You need to have those quick public escape routes when you go to some place so they don't feel overwhelmed if they do start to get that flood of emotion. Planning ahead can turn chaos into calm, right? And if you're worried about the future, let's do do, I'm gonna call it the one step at a time tango. You know, today's swearing saga, it doesn't dictate tomorrow's success. That's why I always talk about focusing on small wins and skills that build interdependence and resilience. Every step, no matter how small, is a dance in the right direction, my dudes. You know, so if you want a complete playbook, head over to our blog at fasdsuccess.com slash blog. That's where we host all the insights and you will get the blog and the show notes on today's show for sure. All right, my friends, well, we touched on a lot of ground today, but there's one heavyweight topic we haven't stepped into the ring yet. And that's fear of escalation in public confrontations, you know, when the swearing turns into aggression. You know, this isn't about handling tough moments. It's about transforming 
our entire approach to aggression and FASD. And folks, that's exactly why my buddy Barb Clark and I put together something special. And it goes way beyond the surface and dives deep into the heart of managing aggression and FASD. So just like imagine for a moment, when you're equipped with info so powerful, so insightful that all those moments you dread start to feel manageable. Imagine not just understanding what, but the why behind aggression and having a strategy for each of those scenarios, be it at home or in school or, yeah, just like we talked about those public confrontations. So Barb and I are inviting you to join us for this exclusive journey. We created the FASD Masterclass. We have done it for our private online coaching programs and they were awesome. And so we want to bring it to the public. It's a masterclass where we peel back the layers of aggression, where we share not just our experiences but like real tangible strategies you could start applying right away just like what we've talked about here strategies that are grounded in understanding compassion and most importantly hope so with us you won't just find coping mechanisms we're going to discover the pathways to connection understanding and dare i say moments of joy amidst all this shit so we're not promising an easy fix, but we're offering a new perspective, a new understanding, and new strategies in a way to see beyond the aggression, to see the incredible individual you're supporting. So if you're ready and you want to learn more about aggression and step into that role where you feel empowered and equipped to handle it, where you like aggression with some grace and confidence, you can go to FASDsuccess.com slash aggression to grab your tickets. We've already had a lot of people purchase tickets. Lots of folks are coming, so we are also creating a community. And don't let this opportunity pass you by. It's time to turn these challenges into stepping stones for success. We know the reasons, and we got a pretty good idea of what to do for the most part. And you do too. You do too. You are out here every fucking day trying your hardest, digging and grinding and trying to find the best information for your kids. And the fact that you come here for that information makes me feel so darn good. I'm not going to stop doing this as long as you keep going. Let's keep going together because you are an absolute badass. And I can't wait to see what you do in your home with the information, whether it be about the swearing, whether you join us for the aggression masterclass or eventually one of our online programs, or you just sit and listen and keep driving another lap in your car because you have come so far and you finally found some folks that get it. I freaking love you. That was awesome. Let me know what you think. You can just, you know, shoot me an email, jeff at fasdsuccess.com. Give me some insight, feedback. It's weird because I'm only sitting here staring at a screensaver and my dog's sitting in the corner talking into a microphone. But I'm pretending I'm looking right at you because I love you. So until next time, keep up the good work. I right, will see you next week. So until then, we'll talk soon. Love you. Bye.